Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Huffman. Russ Parker, Mark Magnuson, and Riley Smith joining us later on in the program. Another pretty beautiful week here weather-wise. A little cloud cover uh, to end the week, but still pretty warm for the first half of December. Makes us wonder if the other shoe is going to drop. But, of course, that means that there's still warm and dry conditions when we're in bad need of moisture. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the top stories we followed this week. Farmland values in Iowa rose again, but at a slower pace than the previous two years. The annual Iowa State University Land Value Survey found that farmland values increased 3.7%, or $424, to $11,835 per acre. That increase follows a larger 17% increase in 2022 and a near-record 29% increase in 2021. The study showed several factors behind the surge last year contributing to the rising prices. The Federal Reserve had used interest rate hikes to help curb inflation rates and future increases will continue to slow the growth in farmland values, but not immediately. The Iowa State study says it will take a couple of years for interest rates to be reflected in farmland values. The impact of the aggressive rate hikes in 2022 is expected to be felt more strongly in 2024 and beyond. That will mean more modest growth or lower land prices ahead. With Republicans and Democrats firmly entrenched in their position, Senator Chuck Grassley says that sides need to soften their stances and work on a compromise to complete a new five-year farm bill in 2024. What I've observed in the last six months is resistance to, by Democrats to putting more farm in the farm bill, which basically means increase in re- reference pricing. And secondly, mostly an issue between Stabenow and Bozeman, uh, is this issue over the? if you save money in one title, you can't spend in another title. Grassley says that the current stalemate cannot continue if both sides want to see a new farm bill. And until those things are worked out, and I don't believe they've been worked out, uh, we're, we aren't going to make any progress in the Senate. Grassley joined House Conservative Chip Roy of Texas in a letter to the House and Senate leaders stressing the need to pass a new farm bill. He also wants to include the return of SNAP to its pre-pandemic levels, limiting farm payments to only actively engaged producers, in reining in CCC spending discretion and foreign ownership of U.S. farmland. Grassley also backs a move by the House to reinstate whole milk, which was removed from the school lunch program in 2012. The Senate also has a similar version of the bill. This whole school lunch program is built around uh, forcing people to eat things that they don't want and wasting a lot of food. And uh, we ought to let people uh, drink the milk they like. And as the farm bill discussion continues, Grassley says he agrees with a push by Washington State Representative Dan Newhouse to limit states' powers to regulate pesticide labels beyond EPA rules. Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag announced this week that a successful water quality initiative project in Plymouth, Sioux, O'Brien, and Cherokee counties is expanding into a larger territory while beginning a new phase that includes added focus on edge-of-field conservation practices. Since the Deep Creek Water Quality Initiative project started in 2014, nearly 27,000 acres of cover crops have been seeded in the project area. While cover crops and effective infield conservation practice will continue to be emphasized, the project will also now expand to focus edge-of-field practices like saturated buffers and bioreactors. These two proven structural practices filter water as it leaves farm fields, which helps to keep nutrients from entering the waterways. Traditional practices such as nutrient-reducing grade stabilization structures and terraces will also be deployed. 
The Iowa Department of Ag and Land Stewardship through the Water Quality Initiative is allocating $660,150 for the next phase of this expanded project. Additional partners include the USDA, National Resource Conservation Service, Plymouth County, Farm Bureau, Iowa Corn Growers, Iowa Soybean Association, and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach, and many more. Well, for more news, you can log on to our website at iowaagnet.com. You can find all of our weekly top stories as well as replays of our programming throughout the week. Right now, that's going to do it for me. We're going to kick things over to Russ Parker with his weekly faith-based food for thought. The other day I was working on figuring out some dimensions for a project that included a triangle. And the word hypotenuse came up. Hypotenuse? I haven't said that word in years. And some memories were stirred of those math lessons. And I'll admit, oftentimes I'd say, why in the heck am I learning this when I'll never use it again in my lifetime? And I've learned since, not so true, like knowing what hypotenuse means. I saw a picture the other day of an Egyptian pyramid with people standing in the front entrance, absolutely dwarfed by the size of the structure. The photo highlighted the stones that weighed a ton or more. And history tells us that these pyramids were built 2,500 years before Christ. And the incredible thing is all the math that went into the engineering of these incredible works of stone. And I'm pretty sure there were no diesel-powered front-end loaders or giant cranes. My wife and I watched a movie recently called Journey to Bethlehem. And in that movie, there are three wise men, obviously, who are part of the story. They were from the Far East, Persia and Arabia, about a thousand miles from Bethlehem. And while they were called, quote-unquote, wise men, they were obviously well-educated, especially in their math skills. They made lots of calculations. Very likely, they used an instrument called an astrolabi, from the Greek meaning star taker. This instrument is able to measure latitude above the horizon, day or night, using a system, get this, of triangulation. How did this all come to be? What prompted these men from miles away to follow a star? Were they aware of the prediction from the book of Numbers, no less, that a star would come out of Jacob? So many questions. Maybe like those that I asked myself as a child. When will I ever use what I'm being taught? And now we think about Christmas and the things we've experienced as they come into focus. The things that are important. Loved ones here with us and gone. The memories of the past and those to be made in the future. And that star that we imagine moving to the west that will soon point the way to our eternity. Christmas is coming. Christ is coming. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Russ. And that's going to do it for segment one here of Weekend Ag Matters. We've still got more to come. Mark Magnus will be coming up here in segment two. Riley Smith will be in later on to wrap up the program as well. So stay tuned for more Weekend Ag Matters here from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. If you thought soybeans were only used for tofu, think again. 
From tires and adhesives to next-generation asphalt, soy is used to create over 1,000 industrial products and counting. Thanks to your soy checkoff investment, the sky's the limit for Iowa soybean farmers. Oh, and speaking of skies, did I mention soy is also used in sustainable aviation fuel? The Iowa Soybean Association, powered by the soy checkoff, is driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Learn more at IASoybeans.com. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here is Mark Magnuson. In segment number two of Weekend Ag Matters, I'm joined by David Newman with the National Pork Board. We discuss demand for pork both domestically and internationally, and then talk more about those expanding international markets. I'm here today with David Newman. We are at the National Association of Farm Broadcasters Convention in Kansas City. David is the Senior Vice President of Market Growth. David, we're hearing a lot about demand for pork right now. What are we looking at? Yeah, it's been a it's been a challenging year, Mark, for uh, U.S. pork producers. That's no secret to us at the National Pork Board, and I would say that it's all hands on deck right now around demand. And what we're seeing is kind of an an interesting uh, shift in this demand cycle, still post COVID, right? Where we're we're, we're right sizing the industry, if you will, because uh, you know over the last several years we've had. Uh, a tremendous amount of money pumped into uh, the system. Think about SNAP benefits, think about these other pieces. And as we start to kind of normalize uh, and we look at some of the market conditions domestically, uh, it's kind of put us in a unique position that's been very challenging. But um, at the National Port Board, on behalf of uh, our U.S. pork producers, you know, our goal is to uh, talk about pork promotion, research and education, right? But from my growth uh, team, uh, we're really focused not only on the international market, development 2023 exports were a shining star especially when you think about countries like mexico central latin america has been very good to us um, and some of our long-standing partners in japan korea and throughout southeast asia uh, i think the biggest push uh, and most of the questions we get right now is about domestic consumption so 70 percent of our production is consumed right here in the united states and uh, we have a lot of programs going on around domestic pork production or domestic pork uh, promotion activities. And switching gears then to the, I should say, export strategy and what we've seen there, you guys do a lot of work to build those overseas markets, those international markets. It just feels like you continue to see that expand with all the hard work that's being put into it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we take producer dollars and we leverage them through the United States Meat Export Federation. Uh, we also leverage that with USDA MAP funding called Market Access Program. So we can literally take checkoff dollars and leverage them one to one, nearly one to one a year. So a million dollar investment could be a two million dollar investment for uh, looking at market access. So. It's a, it's a tremendous program. We have grown in exports year on year for a long time in this country. So as we start to see uh, existing markets, just think about a very mature market like Japan, uh, continue to be very strong for U.S. pork. We're also looking at new and emerging markets. Uh, and that's really important as you look at the rest of the world that's still reeling, uh, coming off of COVID-19 impacts, which lasted much longer than they did here uh, in North America. And then you take into account that you have a, a massive population of people throughout the world who are becoming more affluent. And as they become more affluent, 
one of the first things they do is they buy more red meat. And uh, luckily for us, pork is very culturally relevant in Asia and other parts of the world. And that's going to continue to be a shining star of opportunity for us here uh, in the United States, because not only from a food safety standpoint, do we have a, an advantage? We're still one of the low cost producers, uh, but we have a tremendous distribution network out of this country, whether chilled or frozen. And, you know, I don't think that the average consumer necessarily is aware of the importance of those overseas exports because we know that other countries oftentimes use different parts of the animal, maybe not the same as different countries right next to them. So, I mean, it can change widely. And when I think about it, we see this all the time in row crop agriculture, you know, trying to be as efficient as possible. And when it comes to the pork side, trying to be as efficient as possible by using every piece of the animal and using that to get the maximum value. Am I kind of on the right path? You're absolutely on the right path, Mark. And, and I can give you some, some numerous examples of this. But uh, if you look at different parts of the world, I mentioned uh, uh people becoming more affluent. If you look at the actual income uh, in many of the countries around the world, right, is considerably less than what we see here in North America. So uh, a lot of these uh, offal or variety meats have, have been a part culturally of the staple diet of people all around the world. And just to be completely frank on this, uh, without those people eating offal and variety meats, uh, we wouldn't have much of a market in terms of profitability because that that drop credit, that that value that comes per animal for, for items you wouldn't think about every day, whether it was bones or kidneys or hearts or livers, those are massive in key regions around the world. Um, Another good example of that would be Mexico, right, where we have uh, exported hams for years and years and years and also a lot of variety meats. But as the Mexico market starts to mature and we see the affluence, we're starting to see a huge gain in fresh pork items. 2023 was a fantastic year for bone-in pork loins as an example. So it's kind of this evolution from off-all variety meats into middle meats, uh, which is what you would see more common in a Western diet. So there is a lot of opportunity out here uh, uh, globally for U.S. pork. David Newman with the National Pork Board. Is there anything else you'd like to let our audience in Iowa, obviously a huge pork state, know about when it comes to the work that the National Pork Board is doing? You know, Mark, I would just like to say that uh, we understand the situation. Um, it's a serious situation, the challenges that are happening right now in the pork business. Uh, our big push is not only on this export work we talked about, but it's on this domestic efforts that we have going on. So uh, we're putting a very concerted effort into who the target consumer is and how we go after them to really reposition pork and make pork top of mind. Um, it's priority number one. We're in the fight with producers. Uh, we hear you and uh, we're working on your behalf. So uh, it's an honor to work for this business. And I got to say, you guys are working on at least one person. That's me, because you talked a lot about ground pork in the last year, a lot about pork loin, and I found myself buying more of both of those. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we can't discount the value of ground pork. So uh, there's items here. There's a lot of opportunity when we look at uh, 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 just dishes and recipes. And pork as an ingredient is something we talk about with our multicultural audience as an example. So we can, we can help people understand that pork lives beyond center of the plate. And it can actually be a part of really delicious recipes um, that, that are applicable across different generations um, and even different cultural or ethnic backgrounds. David Newman with the National Pork Board. Thanks so much for taking the time here to speak at Trade Talk 2023. Have a great rest of the show. Absolutely. Thank you. That wraps up segment number two on this week's edition of Weekend Ag Matters. 
Up next, Riley Smith will close out this week's show with the new Iowa Cattlemen's Association CEO, Brian Whaley. That's next here on Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Now that harvest has wrapped up and temperatures have plummeted, farmers are finally able to take a breath and catch up on some year-end tasks in December. This month is an opportune time for farmers to reflect on what this year has provided in the way of obstacles, as well as learning experiences. But of course, the most important thing is that December is a month that is best enjoyed by sharing time with loved ones while celebrating the holiday season. From all of us at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, have a happy holiday season and remember to take some time to enjoy yourself in the company of your friends and family after a long year of hard work. We are here at the Iowa Cattlemen's Association Leadership Summit talking with Brian Whaley. He's the new CEO of the Iowa Cattlemen's Association. Uh, Brian, you just got your start here at uh, Iowa Cattlemen's. Uh, just tell us a little bit on uh, kind of what an opportunity it is to be in this uh, position. Yeah, Riley, it is an exciting opportunity, obviously, um, and, and an honor and a privilege to be able to serve an association that uh, is really a grassroots organization and uh, really uh, set up to, to represent its members. Um, you know, I, we have a small uh, cow-calf operation myself uh, and understand the importance of making sure that our members are represented uh, out uh, and that we are their voice for them as they are doing their daily activities on the farm and sometimes can't get off to to make the meetings or, or be at the Capitol or do those things. Uh, so that's really what, what excites me uh, and, and we're looking forward to over the course of this next year. Now you mentioned being a producer yourself. What you know, What's your journey been like to get up to this point? You know, what led you uh, to this position? Yeah, I, I would say it's been diverse. Um, uh, people probably wouldn't believe, uh, but actually when I came out of college, I uh, started as an educator, uh, a classroom teacher, uh, spent some time as a middle school math and science teacher, then left that and, and went into work for Iowa State University Extension and Outreach in a couple different roles that my my uh, previous role as director of field operations for the north half of the state of Iowa. Uh, and then uh, obviously this opportunity presented itself and uh, it's one of those things uh, that uh, when it comes about uh, and, it, and it seems right and all of the values of the association uh, really tie to what my values have been throughout my professional career. Uh, as you think about the education piece, being an educator, I've always been about education and things I've done, and I think that's very important of our association to continue to provide our producers the education they need. Um, I, you know, the leadership, I've had that opportunity to grow and and in my leadership abilities in each of the positions I've had over the years. And so that was intriguing to be able to lead an association, especially here at the summit, we're celebrating our 50 years. So being able to lead them forward uh, and, and evolve as, as we need to in today's um, day and age. Uh, and then obviously the advocacy piece, obviously mentioning I'm, I'm a producer myself, so I, I care about uh, what's happening out um, on our farms, on our ranches across the state. Right. And, you know, that advocacy is so important right now, and especially in a year where you know, producers have faced those challenges. You're looking at drought stress, you know, the ability to get feed uh, for your cattle, as well as just the effect that those temperatures and the dryness can have on the animals themselves. You know, it's so important to have that advocacy element that even in hard times, we can still stick together as an industry and kind of in the face of we all know that the cattle industry is frequently a target uh, for maybe some things that people will bring up as the issues with the uh, ag industry. So just so important to get out there and tell that story, because we know that if we don't, someone else might do it instead. 
Correct. I mean, we we just spent the last uh, oh three hours of the day today uh, developing our policies and for what's going to go forward. I mean, we know uh, that there are we are going to face some of those challenges, but I think it's it's having the policy set forth on what our members have decided because it is a grassroots organization, and so we will carry forward their message going forward uh, as we work with our legislative uh, uh, coming up in January and through that rest of that session and even even uh, on the federal level as well um, so that that's really important and then obviously the other piece of it is we partner with other um, organizations uh, that Iowa Beef Industry Council will help us uh, work and partner with them to get the message out to consumers about the quality of the beef product that we put out for them that they that they purchase at a local locker or they're purchasing in a grocery store uh, whatever that is but uh, and then obviously uh, people want to know where their beef comes from right and so being able to educate them uh, on on our practices um, and how we are operating uh, and our safe handling um, uh, of our animals and our of our, of our beef cattle uh, that are being produced. Right and you know, let's talk a little bit on the event today as well of course having the uh, whole you know leadership summit going on bringing in those producers from across the state you know what's it been like so far you know how has today gone for the summit and you know what are kind of some of the things you've noticed just from uh, being around today? Well, one thing I've noticed uh, is there's a lot of excitement around the cattle industry right now. You know, even though our cattle numbers are low, uh, our cow numbers are low across the country, there still is an excitement out there. I mean, the, the markets have been good to us uh, for a while now. Um, and so the excitement here is, is really uh, contagious. Uh, we're looking forward to the future. Um, you know, we mentioned uh, one of the core values of the association is education. And so we've had uh, different breakout sessions today on the on the state of the beef industry. We've talked about succession planning and turning those those operations over to the next generation. Uh, we've spent, obviously, I mentioned we've spent a significant time on policy. We talked about different types of grazing management plans. Uh, we've talked about beef improvements and the, the importance of data and new technology that's coming out and innovation. So all those have been uh, key uh, factors and conversations that we've had. In addition, we had a great group of uh, uh, business industry partners and affiliates who have set up a great trade show and we have tremendous vendors here um, uh, that have really put their companies on display and how they can work with us uh, cattle producers out across the state and and we're going to wrap up this evening as I mentioned before we're celebrating our 50 years the Iowa Cattle Cattlemen's Association has been around for 50 years, so we've got a we've got a fun night ahead of us. We're doing um, uh, an activity, uh, obviously, to uh, uh, advertise some of our local uh, uh, food producers. You know, we've got a beef and bourbon tasting that we're doing here in a little bit, and then we have a, a dinner, a, a short little awards presentation, and then uh, we're going to have a little fun tonight. After 50 years, I think it's important that we have some fun in our organization, and so we've got a, a some entertainment uh, a band that's coming in to play tonight so then our uh, members can just socialize because that's that is one of the the neat things about this summit that is it's an opportunity for individuals to focus on the cattle industry in Iowa and they can do it with individuals who have that same interest and that same passion uh, each and they are working towards each and every day to put the best beef product we can on the plates for Americans and Brian you know you kind of talked of looking ahead as well looking ahead to the next year of you know, what's going on in the cattle industry and things with the Iowa Cattlemen's Association for producers to look for, you know, what are some of the things that uh, people should be excited for? Yeah, well, you know, I'll just start about off a little bit about what I'm looking forward to is they've got a really good schedule for me. 
Uh, I mean, as starting as a new CEO, I think it's important that I get out and I listen to producers. Uh, I listen to our members. Uh, I hear what some of their challenges are, some of their concerns are, and where we have opportunities, right? Um, and so I think that's what really excite me, excites me. Uh, one of the things that I'm excited about is the advocacy. We're going to really increase our adv advocacy, excuse me, um, as we go forward in the legislative session. We've uh, spent... Uh, time we've got a uh, hired a, a contract lobbyist to work with us uh, to help us stay engaged uh, on those uh, issues that we need to stay engaged on uh, and then I think over the course of this next year it's just going to be about how do we reach some of our younger members or younger producers how do we encourage them to take some leadership roles as well and really it's all about how do we serve our members this is a members-based association uh, our the staff uh, and it's my role to lead us on how we can serve them best uh, so they get the maximum value out of that membership that they can and Brian, of course, for those of the members who would like to get in touch and, and, you know, make their voices heard and make sure they're represented well within the Iowa Cattlemen's, how can they do that and who should they talk to? Yeah, so I, I think I would start with uh, checking out uh, our website. Um, IA Cattlemen um, is the website there and then or just give us a call at the office um, um, our Mercedes our office assistant can direct your call um, if you want to get in touch with me um, my email is uh, brian at iacattlemen.org happy to visit with you reach out um, we can set up a time to visit um, and uh, otherwise we've got a, a great member services team that's out in the field that we can connect them with as well if they've got questions they want a farm visit uh, they want to want to have us come out and uh, uh, look at some of the things they're doing or listen to them and, and take a tour of their, their operation so we can better understand what they're facing. Brian, thanks for taking the time to visit with us today, and we uh, hope to stay in touch and catch up again here soon to talk uh, what's going on in the cattle industry. You bet. Thanks for being here, Riley. Appreciate it. That again was Brian Whaley, the new CEO of the Iowa Cattlemen's Association. That's it for today's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. Thanks again for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and more by going to the podcast tab on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network website at iowaagnet.com. For Russ Parker, Mark Magnuson, and Dustin Huffman, I'm Riley Smith, wishing you a great rest of your weekend. Join us again next week for more Weekend Ag Matters.